Hello, and welcome to the Instructional Insider. I'm your host, Dr. Morgan Pittman, Instructional Designer and Curriculum Specialist at the beautiful North Carolina School of Science and Math at Morganton. This week has went by super fast, and it's been really busy. Um, I personally was off on Monday for a family emergency, um, so I stepped into the week a week sh- a day shorter um, than I normally would, but I got to visit a lot of classrooms, and I saw a lot of things wonderful happening on our campus. Um, I honestly, I think I went into a lot more classes this week, which is great. Um, it was exciting for me. I've been in calculus, pre-calculus, um, physics, chemistry, the college and career class, um, American studies, just a wide range of really, I saw a lot of math and science this week, um, which is great because we're a school of science and math, but, um, I typically get to see a lot more of the fine arts and humanities. So, um, I was glad to get to see a little bit more math and science, um, just on my random visits this week. Um, I did get to go into a couple of chemistry classes, and they were um, heavily engaged in their studies. We had one um, one chemistry class was looking at equilibrium constant lab. Um, they were using um, different kind of uh, mixtures and and creating um, various different. Um, reactions, and they were using their veneer sensors to help create graphs so that they could read the data a little bit more accurately. Um, I want to dig into their their lesson a little bit more because it wasn't a topic that um, I could just tell you a lot about um, by walking in, so I really want to get on that Canvas page and, and read a, a little bit more about that lab myself just to learn um, what they were doing. Um, I went into another chemistry class and totally different lab, but they were working on other reactants or reactions in minerals. So still chemistry, still doing lots of hands-on labs in both of those. But again, um, it was working with different, with different materials and content, which is great. Um, they were getting similar but different experiences. Um, went into our physics classes and they were working on voltage pile. They were creating and building, investigating, and trying to improve their batteries. So they were um, testing that out. Um, it looked like they were creating a circuit um, with their different tools that they were given. Um, I also went into a lot of different math classes, got to see a lot of different instruction. Um, we had transformations of sine and cosine in one class. Um, we had another math class that was working on um, differential equations and another one that was Pythagorean um, trig ratio applying Pythagorean. Um, so they were all three doing very different things um, in those rooms. It's neat to get to see all the different uh, levels of math and, and what's going on um, at the same time, you know, the different levels of math that we have within our, just our juniors here on campus this year. 
um, an American Studies class. They were discussing um, a new documentary that had been um, released just recently. And it's something that I want to look up. I think it's called Reclaiming uh, a Space. Um, they were talking about linguistics and food and just different kinds of rituals um, that was in that documentary. So I personally want to watch that myself. Um, have not seen it, and it was something completely new. Um, I was in the college and career class, and they were looking at how to write their college essays. Um, and and they were looking at the new released 23-24 prompts, and those students were really paying attention in that class because, guess what, they're going to be doing that very soon. Um, I, we have an actual studio here on class or on campus. It's actually very small in comparison to the one that's in Durham, um, where we have our instructors here who teach a remote class. Sometimes that is to the students in Durham and sometimes that's externally to the online programs, but I did get to pop my head in there. I didn't interrupt, but I did get to snap a photo of, of them while they were teaching in our in our little studio. Um, it's been a really busy week and there's been a lot of great learning. I wish I could see all of it um, when I'm out and about and looking, but it's just not possible. Um, I always like to highlight and see what's new and what's happening um, each week and what good instruction that I do see. Um, I see good instruction and good um, good, good things happening in all the classes. So I do want us to dive into our next, um, our next segment, which will be the interview that I have for us this week. Um, I have an interview with Grant Buckner. Grant works for the Catawba River Keepers, which is, um, an organization that I hold very dear to my heart as um, an avid kayaker on the river and I live on the Catawba River and I got to or had the privilege of interviewing him and the work that they do here in the northern um, river basin for the Catawba River. Um, and for those of you that don't know, the Catawba River actually starts in McDowell County, which is where I'm from, and travels all the way um, close to Myrtle Beach, um, Charleston, in that area where it dumps into the Atlantic Ocean. So I hope you enjoy my interview today with Grant, and maybe you can see some connections to things we do here on campus with the work that they do. Here is my interview with Grant Buckner. Today with me, I have Grant Buckner. Thank you so much for joining me today, Grant. Hi, it's good to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to talk. All right, Grant, can you tell us your title and the organization that you work for? Sure. So my title is the Watershed Manager for the Northern Basin, and I work for Catawba Riverkeeper, and we're an environmental nonprofit. Okay. So tell me your backstory. Did you decide, hey, I want to work for the river, I want to go into biology? How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, I grew up in a small town. I spent a lot of time outdoors, so I knew I wanted to do something uh, with nature or biology. Right. Um, and my dad was a high school math teacher for 35 years. Okay. Public, 
math teacher, so I had a lot of background with science and math. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, when I went to uh, UNCA, which is where I got my bachelor's from, one of the first classes that I took, I was kind of unsure about you know, what I wanted to major in, and I took a biology class and loved it. Right. And uh, from there on, I was a biology major. Okay. Majored in biology and undergrad. So your love for outdoors is really what pushed you to go into this specialty? Yes, for sure. Yeah, I grew up, um, you know, just near the Blue Ridge Parkway, so being able to go on hikes and rides. Right. I grew up loving to fish a lot, so that was sort of the the nexus for biology was what can I learn about fish? And since I they've given me so much joy and time out on the water, right? How can I sort of help uh, right. preserve them so other people can enjoy them. And as well. both of us coming from a small Western North Carolina town. I'm from Marion, and you're from. Burnsville, right? Yeah. I mean, that's how we grew up. You grew up outdoors in, at the lake, at the river, at the stream, catching lightning bugs. I mean, that was just our every day as far as um, growing up. So I love how that fueled your passion to um, go into biology. So how did you go from graduating from UNCA from a bachelor's in biology yeah. to what you're doing now? Yeah. So uh, there was a, a class that I took while I was at UNCA called aquatic uh, insect ecology and I took that class because I was really interested in fly fishing okay aquatic insects are the food yeah that trout eat and so I was like well I need to take that class and I was kind of introduced to how there's very useful for monitoring water quality right um, and that sort of led me into a master's degree at App State okay um, where I focused on aquatic insects I actually got another degree in biology um, I did a master's thesis studying aquatic insects in Belize. Okay. And while I was at grad school, I was also helping out other student projects. And that's where I sort of was introduced to the river keepers. Okay. You know, there's over 400 worldwide. Right. Every major river base in North Carolina has one. There's the French Broad in Asheville. Were you part of them while you were going to UNCA? Um, the, the French Broad River Keeper, Hartwell Carson, did come give a talk to okay. one of our classes. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't say I was okay. involved as much. Okay. Um, but when I got to grad school, there were several other students who were working on projects for him. And actually, a, a close lab mate and friend was working for the Watauga Riverkeeper. Okay. And um, I was finishing my thesis right during the pandemic. Right. So I hung around and taught a little bit at App State afterwards. Okay. Um, and my friend was like, hey, have you seen this position with Catawba Riverkeeper? Uh, it's, you know, sounds like something you'd be interested in. Right. Uh, and I applied and was fortunate enough to to get that now is uh i'll be there two years in april which so. i am a lover of the catawba river i was i'm not going to say born and raised on the catawba river but um my adult life i've spent a lot of time actually i did grow up on the catawba river there was a ball field that is there and i grew up playing in the bamboo the invasive species yeah. that's there uh breaking that off and trying to fish with the bamboo stick i do remember that now so i guess i technically did grow up on the river but my adult life has definitely been um on the river i live in river bend um right off lake james right off the catawba river um I, it's very much a passion of mine so i appreciate from a from a local kayaker and you know that's my home what you guys do so do you want to talk about the catawba river keepers just what y'all do as a nonprofit? yeah yeah so we, we do a lot of things so we are the voice for the river for the people since it's a public resource we all own it um, and we protect it and work to conserve it from where it starts all the way, almost in Black Mountain, all the way down the Congaree National Park. I always say it starts in Old Fort in McDowell. Yep, yep. Uh, and then goes near, near Charleston. Yeah, yeah. We, we actually pass it off 
once it gets to Congaree National Park to the Santee Cooper Riverkeeper, or, or the Congaree Riverkeeper first. There's, okay. There's several chains of different ones. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it's 26 counties in two states, so it's a massive basin. Um, it provides electricity and drinking water uh, for millions of people right. uh, here and in Charlotte and throughout the basin. Um, and everything we do at Catawba Riverkeeper, we try to put in three buckets. Uh, protect, which is the team that I own, where mm -hmm. we work on restoration projects, uh, protecting the river, commenting on permanent pollution, trying to reduce the amount of pollution in the river. Right. Uh, engage, which is sort of a new thing for us, but we're really excited about. And that's where we do trash cleanups. We actually right. offer paddles. We actually sell beer at several <laughs> of our offices, uh, which is very popular. Yes, it is. Uh, so we're able to really engage people on the water, and that's right. what we've found has been really uh, useful. We're a membership-based organization, so right. people become members, and that helps support what we do. Um, and so we found that when we can get people out there on the water, they're much more likely to be interested Absolutely. in volunteering their time yeah. or you know donating to the cause. And then educate. We do have an education wing where we educate school-age children, uh, adults, preschool, all that, all those different ages where we just try to talk about the importance of the river and educate people in ways that they can, you know, get involved and help protect this wonderful resource. Right. That now, y'all's home office is McAddenville, right? Yeah. So okay. we have our headquarters and the river room in McAddenville. Okay. Um, that's kind of where our office is. That's where our main lab is. We also have a boathouse in McAddenville where okay. we actually run um, basically a guide service on the South Fork of Catawba, and we also have a bar there. Uh, and then we run a really cool space called Confluence in Cramerton, um, and that's sort of a river arts, music, hmm. and beer. Um, we, we talk about beer lots, 96% water, so. There's a lot of chemistry behind that. Yes, yes, so, <laughs> and it's very popular, so. Right. Uh, and we use that space for local artists, for uh, local musics, or local musicians, on the weekends and throughout the week to try to sell that to raise some money for right. the work we're doing so i know um when we talk about i mean your whole job with the catawba river keepers is stem focused so we're talking about science technology engineering mathematics so i would assume let's start with the science piece of it right that that's probably a huge part of what the catawba river keepers does so talk to me about the science piece yeah, so we do a lot of different things. Um, probably the most basic thing we do is a lot of water quality monitoring. Right. So we're going out and taking uh, water quality probes, sinking them into the, to the river, looking at things like temperature, uh, conductivity, which is kind of a measure of how much pollution is in the river. Right. Um, turbidity, how clear the water is. And right. we also do a lot of bacteria monitoring in the summer to let people know if it's safer not to swim. Right. So we, we lean heavily into the chemistry side of things. Um, but we also spend time with like ecology and biology where we use things like aquatic insects uh, which can kind of tell you how good or poor the water quality has been over a long period of time right so that's sort of the the main science things um you know i was thinking about this and um you know what do i use on a daily basis that i like learned in school <laughs> and uh with this job, we do a lot of different things, but it was very funny. Last week, we were actually working with statistics. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. There so, we go. Um, all the statistics, of course, it, it does pay off. We spent time looking at a binomial distribution, which was yeah. <laughs> definitely cleaning the cobwebs out of my brain. I'm to, sure. To get around that. But, you know, we had the foundation. Uh, with that, with that. I'm thinking of um, 
when you talk about the probe sensors, we, we have those here on campus. Our students work with them regularly. We have the veneer sensors. I don't know if that's the same ones y'all use, um, but you know, I know I've even done studies with them where I'm testing the water quality from different parts of the river, looking at all the different water samples. Um, so that's something that our students here have access to. Um, which is great that they can do what you guys are doing. Do y'all use student volunteers for that? Oh, uh, yeah. During the summer, well, I guess students, sometimes it can be kind of tough because most of our sampling does require driving around a little bit. Right. Um, but generally, yeah, we, we try to take anyone that's interested. Okay. As long as we can get the sample. Um, sometimes people have access to the river and we're like, hey, can we launch from your backyard? Yep. And you're welcome to paddle along with us and collect samples. We definitely try to get a lot of information from the public where we have a pollution reporter app. We have an app on our phone. I use it. <laughs> yeah, so we go through and figure out, hey, I think this is a pollution problem reported. We'll try to follow up. Right. But yeah, you know, Hunting Creek on y'all's campus right. is, uh, you know, kind of a impaired water yeah. resource. And, you know, part of the work we're trying to do is work on restoration projects. And so getting something involved on Hunting Creek, especially with you know, the students here at WPCC down, yeah. the, down the road would be a, a fantastic way to involve them. And so. does that one connect straight to Catawba or does it go to another first? It uh, goes straight to um, Silver to Creek. Catawba, okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um, I know they're, I'm assuming that's from all the construction. Uh, maybe? Not really construction. One thing we really, our, ribble, our rivers really struggle with is uh, just historical land use. So what used to be wetland, what used to have, you know, a connected floodplain. Right. When we showed up, we were like, well, we need to farm here. So we drained a lot and we basically put a lot of the rivers in ditches and they're not able to work their way out. So we okay. get a lot of banks collapsing in, introducing yeah. sediment, turning groundwater, any pollution that stuck to the sediment goes right in. Right. So that's sort of a, a bigger issue. And that's what's going on at Honey Creek. Okay. At some point it probably, you know, had access to its floodplain. We right. were like, you know, I think it's a Looks like it's a hayfield. Okay. And also, someone who you know first created that hayfield wasn't thinking you know where we would be in 150 right. years, and who would? Right. <laughs> I mean. Um, so you know they drained that down and channelized it. And I know we're still dealing with it. Today. I'm thinking because you know I'm in McDowell, which is closer to the headwaters. So um, on our Catawba River Greenway, we've had a. I mean, a lot of it has been through natural disaster, excessive flooding. Are you familiar with the restoration that's happened there along the Greenway? A little bit. Um, that got completed before I came along, yeah. so it was kind of one of those things yeah. that I didn't look into much. I know they've been preparing that bridge for a while, yeah. and working on the Greenway up the river. But yeah. Anytime some restoration work can take place, we're always really excited and happy about it. Yeah, it looks really good. It looks totally different, but it looks really good. Um, I'm hoping that it preserves um, the riverbanks now, and it looks like it's a lot more sustainable. All right, so science, absolutely. You've definitely got all the probes where you're testing, um, testing water quality, which is the chemistry aspect of it. So you touched a little bit on math, so a little bit of statistics. I mean, really, when you're reading the probes, that itself is math and graphing the, what the probes are reading. So do y'all use anything else as far as math goes? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the, uh, you know, we're, we're taking snapshots of the streams. Right. What we want to know is, how does it do over time? And so we'll do long-term analysis, averages, um, some, we don't we don't get too far down the statistics road okay. unless we have to, because it takes a little while. Right. Um, but yeah, I try to take averages and kind of doing big meta-analysis of, um, you know, we've got water quality samples from seven sites in this sub-watershed 
what can we learn about you know the whole overall quality of that entire watershed right instead of just that one spot and i'm also thinking like calculus i mean if things stayed as is you could maybe make some predictions further down but you really don't know what's going to happen if you know a new industry is going to come in and get built or a natural disaster or a chemical spill i mean you don't you can't really predict those things um with your statistics and your data yeah um, one, one thing we have been able to do on the south fork where we constantly are putting people out on the water um is take tons of turbidity samples which is you know how clean the water right. or how clear the water is um and equalize samples okay and over time we've actually been able to create enough uh, data that we can actually create a, a line and uh, basically use our turbidity sample which is a lot easier to take doesn't take as long right e coli takes about 24 hours to get back okay and we can use that to predict what the e coli levels are so we can go out there and say well, if that river is that muddy today, we really shouldn't be taking people out on the water. Right. So that, I know that was a big wave. on the on Lake James, which feeds into the Catawba, or sorry, the Catawba feeds into Lake James. Um, up where I am at Burnett's Landing, it always has lower levels uh, or higher levels of E. coli. I know the water level there is a lot lower than other parts of the lake. What else contributes? What contributes to the E. coli being higher? Yeah, so in that area, a, a real basic thing are just cows in the stream. Okay. Um, you know, I've seen pictures of cows defecating in the stream and yeah. downstream drinking of it. So it's not good for the cows and it's not good for water quality either. Um, that can be a big way. You know, there is some more urban runoff mm -hmm. that can get, you know, access through there. Um, in some of these older counties, you know, from Burnsville and, you know, Marion's not yeah. that different. Um, you know, people still run gray water out of their house into the ditch yep. that goes down the creek into the Catawba. So, so that's a concern, okay. old failing septic systems. But we do see a lot from just cows in the street. Okay. And in places like Greenways, people not picking up after their dogs. We're actually able oh, to, yeah. in Charlotte, we have a lot bigger population density. We're able to see that like when people are not picking up after their dogs, it gets it's, into the river. That's a good point. That's something everyone can yes. do. Even if you're not in the water, pick up after your animals, if you're out enjoying the Greenway, which I'm glad they are, yes. but making sure they pick up after the dogs, that's that's a good point. Yeah. Um, technology, we talked a little bit, like the, the sensors and the probes themselves are amazing, I think, what they can do. Um, what else do y'all use as far as technology? Yeah, we, we use a lot of uh, GIS. Um, so we're, you know, our basin's over 5,000 square miles. So mm -hmm. We're not able to get out and walk every part of it. Right. So we're constantly looking at remote sensing data, whether it's Google Earth, okay. um, whether we can go on to USGS's national map and look at it. Um, we're doing things um, where we're monitoring construction remotely. Okay. Um, and we do a lot of things on just mapping GIS because it's a huge basin and we need to keep track of where concerns pop up yep. and track those to see if we've you know, been able to make progress. So right. From a technology standpoint, you know, we use ArcGIS almost on a daily basis. Okay. okay. So I guess it's more of a live, when I'm thinking like Google Earth or something, you know, it don't update very often. Do y'all use one that's updated free, like more frequently than that? Yeah. Well, we're, we want to. There's this one called Planet Labs, okay. which is incredibly expensive. So we're, we're trying to partner with other educational institutions, yeah. like universities or, you know, anywhere that has access to Planet Labs. That, yeah. Uh, we can kind of lean into because they update it every day or two. That would be that would be much better yeah. than going back over time through years. Because sometimes we aren't able to get things, you know, up to date yeah. uh, for a year at a time. And so. then by then something's already happened and you've already got 
something yes. that's went into the water and yeah so def that could definitely be um a benefit um engineering is yeah. that something that y'all think about or a, a little bit um you know we do a lot of we're trying to get into restoration okay uh, basically my role for the first year was to come up with uh, projects that can improve water quality so we work a lot with engineers okay doing some of that harder you know how what's the ratio we should slope these banks back to how many um, uh, constructed riffles do we need to put in this river to reconnect the hydrology? So uh, a little bit, but okay. you know, generally when we're at dealing with engineers, um, we're trying to get someone who's certified because right. we're submitting plans or you know, we're doing a construction project. Um, and since we're not, none of us on staff are certified engineers, right. or professional engineers, we need, we need those engineers who are certified yeah. professional that's, to, uh, to take care of it. So that's an interesting language. Helps. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're not, we're not doing anything in AutoCAD. Or okay. Any type of but that is interesting. Um, I hadn't really thought about that, that an engineer would have to come in and do the actual restoration part of it or the analyzing of it. Cause you've got to look at the slope and all of that, but almost someone it's got a engineering and environmental background. So I don't even know if that's a thing, an environmental engineer, but yeah. there's yeah, it's a background. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can make your environment places but yeah just trying to pick up on some of the terminology so you can speak the language with the engineer yeah. is, is really nice yeah um, but yeah so we work a lot with them when we're trying to do these restoration projects okay so as far as here on our campus i told you we already have a lot of the probes um which they get used in physics but we also have um currently right now an environmental chemistry class which is really neat because it's almost identical to what y'all do as far as looking at the chemistry of water um so I don't know if they've reached out, but that would be a wonderful um, class to reach out and let yeah. you guys partner and talk to. Um, we also have aquatics, I guess it's aquatic biology, um, which sounds like your passion from your background. Um, so it's, it's interesting to already just see that natural overlay, overlay without me even really digging into their content. I know it's, that's what y'all do, um, you do that. So we've talked about STEM, we've talked about the Catawba River Keepers. So what other skills, whether it be for you or the Catawba River Keepers in general, um, what other skills do students going into this field need? Yeah, so probably the one that I've had developed that I think is the most useful is communication skills. Yep. Most of what I do is calling and talking to people and trying to get them interested or trying to get them to do something. I'm calling stakeholders to see if they're interested in partnering on restorations. Right. I'm giving presentations about what Riverkeeper is doing, like I am today. Talking <laughs> on a podcast. Yes. yes. Talking, interacting, getting people excited, uh, being able to do public speaking. Um, you know, kind of all all those are really important. And then in, if you're going into the nonprofit space, just a willingness to learn to do, you know, odd jobs. Yeah. And, you know, odd things. One of the first things, you know, in our contracts, we always joke there's this thing that at the end it says, and other duties assigned by uh -huh. the university, which basically yeah. means anything. anything. <laughs> so one of the first things that I, you know, I, I did at Riverkeeper uh, was someone donated a boat. We had to go pick it up. So mm. I had to learn how to like strap down a boat so it doesn't fly off the track right. at 65 miles an hour down 40. So uh, just a willingness to be interested and learn new skills. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any degree out there that's going to 100% prepare. You'll never have to learn a new skill. Yeah. Uh, to go into that field, you know, there might be one or two out there, but uh, just 
uh, you know, you're not going to be an expert in everything. And, right. And, and it's not a private space where I have to put a lot of different hats on. You, so. You've said exactly what everyone <laughs> else has said. Um, and I, thinking back to the last person I interviewed last week, they made that point that theirs, it was math. Yours is science and biology. That kind of got you in the door and curious about it. But then you had to learn to develop all these other skills um, to really be successful in in your job and your career. So yeah, and I never was a huge public speaking fan. I mean, I was a um, you know it's a small town. Everyone knows each other. Right. Well, that I grew up in. Um, but you know, I took a uh, in grad school. You got to teach, mm. and so that really gets you over it. Yeah. Uh, I would suggest to people if they're nervous, just to plunge in and just make themselves do it, and then you'll be able to talk to anyone about anything yeah. <laughs> once you get used to it. Yeah. So. Well, I appreciate you coming and talking. To one of my passions, the Catawba River, but just giving your time to, to our school and, and everything. So thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, I was really excited to be here. And this Saturday, we're actually having a volunteer day. So if you're able to come out, we're going to be constructing Beaver Dam Analogs. Where is restoration it? Project on Foothills Conservancy's new Oak Hill Community Park and Forest. Okay. Yeah. And hopefully there might be some other local events happening on Lake James or the Catawba River Keepers. I know I look at y'all's website regularly for those yeah. things. So thank yeah. you so much. Sure.